Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts, including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients, and dietitians, sharing up-to-date, informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Welcome again to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. I'm Jackie Lewis, the clinical nutritionist for BN Multi. And today, my special guest is none other than Gabriella Rosa, renowned fertility specialist, Harvard University awarded scholar and researcher. Gabriella is also the founder and clinical director of the Rosa Institute, an organization dedicated to helping couples create healthy babies despite previous reproductive challenges. Gabriella is also a renowned author of the two times best-selling title, Fertility Breakthrough, Overcoming Infertility and Recurrent Miscarriage When Other Treatments Had Failed. Gabriella has educated and treated over 136,000 couples in more than 100 countries around the world. Infertility and being overweight can go hand in hand. In this episode, Gabriella and I discuss the impacts of your overall health when it comes to creating healthy babies. Welcome, Gabriella Rosa. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Jackie. It's such a pleasure. It is. And it's a topic I feel is underexplored. And a lot of women in our community are recommended to have this surgery based on losing the weight to increase Mm -hmm. fertility, which of course does marry up in some regards. How does excess weight impact on a person's fertility to begin with? You know, that's a really great question. And the reason that it marries up, so to speak, you know, as you've used the word, it's because of the hormonal factors that are ultimately responsible metabolically and reproductively for that balance that we need in order to be able to actually have ovulation occur in the way that it needs to occur and, and, you know, the egg to mature and, of course, the embryo to develop and so on. So metabolic hormones are very linked to the ability of the ovaries to respond. You know, like if we have high insulin, for example, the ovaries become less responsive to all of the other reproductive hormones that are necessary in order to be able to do the reproductive piece that's required in order for us to be able to have a baby. And that's why, you know, for women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, for example, it irregular, like it makes their cycles irregular, it makes their cycles lengthened. Then, of course, there may be other symptoms. It may even make their cycles unovulatory, which basically means that if you're not having ovulation, it's going to make it much more difficult for to, to be able to time conception. And a lot of women then, especially with PCOS, they start to use testing strips like LH strips, for example, to try and figure out when they're ovulating. But because LH strips, in order to be able to actually pick when uh, ovulation is occurring, you need to actually be using it for, you know, a week before, ideally, a cycle or ovulation is meant to happen. If you have an irregular cycle that ovulation is happening instead of happening on day 14, it's happening on day 30 or day 40 or day 50, obviously that one week of ovulation testing isn't going to cut it. And that will definitely have an impact. But for men as well, excess weight and metabolic hormone imbalances will negatively impact the ability of the reproductive hormone 
tends to be in balance. And there has been lots of evidence that shows that excess weight because of the heat, because of toxicity that is stored in fat tissue, um, negatively impacts the health and the quality of the sperm as well. So you're not just talking about a situation where, you know, if the woman is overweight, that's the only problem, or if the man is overweight, that's the only problem. Certainly it's going to be even more of a problem if both partners in the in the couple dyad are overweight. Mm. But it really does make a difference whether, you know, being an optimum health obviously will also make a difference in terms of being able to carry not only get pregnant but carry a healthy pregnancy to term and of course deliver a healthy baby Mm -hmm. because all of those pieces are conjoined in some way in order to be able to actually get the result that most couples want which is obviously a healthy baby at the end of the whole process Mm -hmm. so metabolically speaking you know there's lots of uh, different variations on the theme but it's about hormonal balance and reproductive hormonal balance that will impact uh, reproductive hormonal balance as well as nutritional deficiencies that will occur. And as I was saying before, you know, when it comes to uh, toxins, for example, we may or may not know that a lot of toxins, environmental toxins that are present and that we are exposed to in our day-to-day, for example, phthalates, BPAs, bisphenols, you know, all of those types of very toxic chemicals that negatively impact fertility, they all get stored and recycled in fat tissue. Mm. So they will actually make a difference not only so being overweight will only not make it not only make a difference because of our own internal balance and how the body is actually balancing those hormones, but also what else is getting stored in those tissues. Heavy metals get stored in, in fat tissue, you know, all of those things will actually then make a difference to what is that environment actually like for the development of that embryo. And of course, for the development of prior to that, the egg and the sperm. And that's where it all begins, isn't it? Is mm. that, you know, DNA material and what that's the health of that to begin with. Absolutely. There's a lot yeah. of research now on the microbiome and the general health of the woman during pregnancy. And not only to produce a healthy baby and a, you know, healthy delivery and that sort of stuff, but they're proving now that this is impacting that child's you know, chance of obesity and chances of heart disease and that sort of stuff right from the get-go. What would you say about that? Yeah, look, it's it's fascinating because we've actually just conducted a meta-analysis in, in my clinic and we actually did it on the microbiome of the men because mm-hmm. a lot of the times what is not even worsely, you know, if that's even a word, what's worse understood than the women's uh, microbiome and how it impacts the baby is actually how the male's microbiome impacts the ability to conceive and therefore impacts the female and the baby. So there is a really interesting situation where, for example, we see this in clinical practice all the time where, you know, a a female may have been diagnosed with a condition, whether it's thrush or bacterial vaginosis or, you know, you name it. And what will happen is that the doctor will usually prescribe a treatment for the woman, but will not even screen the man, let alone treat the man. <laughs> and what we know is that if a woman has, for example, bacterial vaginosis, those bacteria are going to go into the penis, through the urethra, and you know, get into the prostate, and of course, get into the, to the semen, mm. and and that will negatively impact the quality of the sperm. And we've actually shown this in this meta-analysis. We're literally about to public to um, submit for publication, and um, sixteen studies, you know, and we can clearly see the difference between men 
who don't have bacteriospermia and, of course, high levels of bacteria, specifically bacteria, you know, bacteria, uh, vaginosis associated bacteria and the sperm. Hmm. And the quality is, is night and day different, you know, between in all of the major parameters, count, wow. morphology, motility. Um, and so we know that DNA fragmentation as well. So we know that bacteria will make a difference. Microbiome will make a difference. The combination of factors in terms of making sure that both partners are treated and screened when an issue is found is absolutely essential. And as a preventative, you know, one of the things that we recommend in our clinic for our patients is a, it's kind of like almost a multi, a multi like kind of probiotic mix, mm-hmm. you know. So in the same way that you would have a multivitamin, you would yes, have a multi-strain, yeah. a multi-strain probiotic, you know, um, supplement mm. in advance of as a preventative. Because, I mean, not only does it improve general health, and especially when we have a situation where we perhaps have surgery and we may have, you know, diminished ability to absorb our, our, our nutrients or, you know, we're needing to, that extra support of metabolizing vitamins within the gut because that's mm. one of the things that happens. And also whether we are overweight or not, but certainly when we are overweight, if we don't have the correct microbiome, what's going to happen is that the taking out of those excess hormones that are produced by fat tissue, women and men become very estrogen dominant when yeah. we have excess fat. And so that is another issue that causes, you know, why that impacts fertility is another one of those major concerns. And one of the things that has been demonstrated in the science to improve or help with that is actually probiotic. Uh, and specific you know, strains now and, there, and there linking are, and Exactly. There are many different studies now in terms of the different strains and making mm. sure that we're getting, you know, the right, you know, the right uh, probiotics for specific situations, whether it's immune, whether it's, you know, there's definitely lots of that information out there. Mm. But, you know, the, the reality is that sometimes just any will yes. do the job. Yes. You know, any <laughs> is better than none. Any port so, in the storm. <laughs> ab- absolutely. And so yeah. what happens is that we can get really technical around, you know, oh, you should have this strain or you should have that strain. You know, but the truth is just have some, yes. any. And, mo- and, and, and one of the things that I recommend is actually to change it all the time as well. Yeah. So, you know, you might have a particular probiotic that's a really high dose, you know, great multi-strain probiotic that, you know, is from this brand and you take that until the bottle's finished and then the next one you buy from a different brand and a different brand and a different brand because then you will have that. eventually, you know, all of the strains that you need anyway. So I like the I idea like, of that, just hmm, not, I, not the same, the same, the same same because mm. yeah you need to diversify that microbiome absolutely exactly <clears throat> yeah thank you that's yeah i love your long answers it's so comprehensive and gives us a really good understanding so thank you so how much weight overall would someone need to lose to improve fertility in their chances of conception there's been a study that demonstrated 10 percent was the kind of magic number for women over 100 kilos right right and so it, it depends obviously it will depend for example if a woman has has insulin resistance and they've got PCOS and they've got irregular cycles mm-hmm. and they may even be under, you know, like I actually have polycystic ovarian syndrome mm-hmm. and I was diagnosed when I was 18 and I, and I had lost my period completely for six months and I started to wonder, hang on, what's actually happening here? And what ended up happening was that I wasn't all that particularly overweight. In fact, I would probably say that I was about the same weight that I am now. Mm-hmm. But my, my body composition was very, very different. 
right? And so what ended up happening, and this is a big difference as well that a lot of people need to realise, is that you might be the same weight, like from in my case, but if, you're, if your body fat percentage is much higher, mm. you're going to have all of these symptoms that you would not have if your muscle mass was higher than your body fat percentage, right? And so that's one of the things where I always put my case in for weights training yes. because that is the only thing that I have found personally for me mm. in balancing my hormones and ensuring that I have a regular cycle, but also that overall I feel healthier. Yeah. It has been weights training. That absolutely transforms the way that my body works. And so, you know, from that perspective, I would say that we need to really have a, a holistic and comprehensive look at what are the pieces that are required in order to be able to actually get to the outcome that you're looking for. So it's not always going to be, the answer is not going to be how much weight. Mm. It's what is your body composition? What is your exercise routine? Because, you know, for somebody who's not exercising at all, eating lots of high carbohydrate foods and sitting in front of the TV for the whole day, then obviously that's going to be a different answer to someone who's doing, uh, having and leading a very different lifestyle, right? And and so that makes makes certainly a big difference Mm. in terms of what, how much somebody might need to lose. But typically as a guide, and this was a study that was done, it was relatively, relatively small, but it was in a fertility clinic, and they demonstrated that 10% was what was required for to achieve pregnancy in those types of situations for, again, women over 100 kilos. But if you don't have, a, you know, if you don't have 20 kilos or 30 kilos to lose, or if you've already lost that weight and you're still struggling in the same way, then we need to really look at what else is getting in the way because often what couples don't realize is that in order to be able to conceive there are many multiple minor factors that could get into the equation that create an issue you know there was a retrospective analysis. in fact there's epidemiological research of populations around the globe and the numbers that they look at in terms of when we have an obstacle to optimum fertility so a couple at peak fertility will have an average of three months time to pregnancy so literally Mm. it's have sex get pregnant have a baby done we're no longer having this conversation when we're still having this conversation then we need to have a look and ask okay why mm-hmm. you know what else could be getting in the way and sure one aspect of it could be weight but the other aspect might be other exposures or it might be you know other factors that we haven't even considered yet and so we know that when we add one minor factor to the equation and a minor factor might be endometriosis or you know poor sperm parameters or poor ovarian reserve whatever you name it right you get one of those and you add it to the equation and and what we know is that instead of having a three-month average time for pregnancy that number compounds to two years so there's a huge compounding effect that goes on there you add a second minor factor again any of the things that we've already talked about will do and all of a sudden we go from two to seven years and a third gives us an average of 40 years time to pregnancy no one has 40 years to get pregnant no right and so this is why we need to take it beyond the okay the weight is one thing but there might be so many other factors that could also be getting in the way that if we don't identify in soon enough time yeah we keep going around in circles for a really long time and unfortunately run out of time on the spot Mm. Which is also, you know, where I think women these days, I'm going to say, we're busy and we want a career and we want all this other stuff. And then we think we'll just do babies when we're ready. And these are the things that we're finding is that sometimes we feel like we've got all the time in the world and we don't. But if we've 
got anything underlying that we're not even aware of that would be impacting our fertility, either us or our partner, that time is then more limited when we wake up one day at 35 and think, oh, it's time now, I'll have this baby. Um, Not only has our fertility dropped quite sharply at that age, but also then if there's anything else that's compounding it, it, yeah, you just run out of time. So from that perspective, what is your kind of um, recommendation for women who, yes, do want to have children but not immediately? Would you suggest just a fertility, you know, check up just to see how things are tracking in that way? Or do you just think start trying and if there's nothing happening, have a look then? It, um, I, I'm always more, way more proactive than that. Mm, yes. <laughs> and I think that, you know, <laughs> the reason is that, you know, the types of patients that we treat in my clinic are people who typically have tried lots of different things and nothing has worked. Yeah. Most of the couples I treat, they've been infertile for years, literally mm. more than two years, or have experienced miscarriages or, you know, uh, adverse events in terms of, of pregnancy and, and birth. So I don't ever like the idea of just, you know, seeing how you go because mm. I see how it goes, quote, unquote, for all of the patients in my clinic. And, you know, I would hate to say from a, from a perspective of, you know, people who might not know this that, oh, you know, just try and see how you go. Mm. I, I think that it really what you speak to is very true. You know, sometimes people do prioritise their careers and prioritise different aspects of their life prior to having kids, but sometimes people just don't find the right partner yeah, or correct. have a relationship breakup that mm. is at a critical point in time or, you know, there's many different reasons as to why it happens. And so it's difficult to say, you know, oh, you should do this or you should do that. However, what I will um, say is that at every point when it comes to one's health, reproductive or otherwise, mm. right, we need to have some kind of fingers on the pulse, so to speak, as to what's happening with one's fertility, what's happening with one's overall general health, so that we can have a better sense of what and how much work would necessarily be required if things don't immediately go to, pra- to plan, mm. right? And so we know that from what I've spoken of before, at peak fertility, a couple has an average of three months time for pregnancy. If it hasn't happened at, within that time frame, for any couple, doesn't matter how old you are, then you need to start understanding, okay, why? Because the longer that you leave to understand why, the less chance you actually have of having the result and the outcome that you're looking for. And I think that that really is, you know, for some people, that's not a life deal breaker. You know, yeah. some people are quite comfortable and quite okay with, we'll see what happens and whatever happens, happens. Whereas then you have other people who are not that, you know, kind of uh, flexible, pragmatic or, you know, even okay with the idea of never having children. And so Mm. it will very much depend on somebody's kind of life choices and approach from that perspective as well. Because if you really care and you really want to have a baby, then you're obviously going to be more proactive than if you're kind of like, oh, We'll see what happens, you Correct. know. So I think that it's it's a dependent. This very dependent on personal every in, every on that individual one. situation is different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know that once you make that decision, it's like we want to do this now. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's, exactly. That's where this tricky, heartbreaking, you know, hurdle to get across is. Yes. Um, 
a difficult journey as well. Absolutely, hundred so, yeah. percent. And that's why you know I say that the more somebody actually feels that that's something that they really want out of their life, the more proactive they should be yeah. in terms of ensuring that they have a sense and they have an understanding of what specifically is happening for them. Yeah. You know, if they have regular cycles, fantastic. If they don't, then figure out why. If you know, like all of these things need to be kind of put into play hmm. if it's a it's a high priority in life. Yeah, I've been reading up recently on, I've been reading a book about our periods and our hormones and that sort of thing, Lara Bryden's book. And she terms our, and I think it's a really nice way of actually bringing our reproductive health into that spotlight of importance and how it reflects our overall health. And she mentions that our period and the regularity of it and its consistency and how it starts for us when we're teenagers and all that sort of stuff is actually kind of a hallmark of our overall health. If something's up, you know, when we're in our teens or even in our early 20s, that that would be something that we should go, hey, my period's not, you know, relatively regular, 28, 30-day cycle. It's coming with a lot of pain. I'm getting lots of bloating prior are those those sorts of things that you would look at kind of later on in a woman's life that would indicate there may be issues with fertility later on yeah look what that you know what what you've described is has a a certain ring of truth for sure Mm. in terms of you know the fact that sometimes there are life events and there are modifiable risk factors or exposures that somebody is present to that for example even diet is a modifiable risk factor right so for example if you are in a situation where you are living with somebody who eats sugar all day and you know has a very poor diet you're much more likely to have or to mimic that kind of eating pattern or that type of eating habit Whereas if you then change into a different relationship and that will affect you in one way, right? And that might be early in your life or later in your life, you know, like early in my life, that was, you know, I was young and I didn't really focus too much on what it is that I was eating and how and whatever else, even though, again, I was around the same weight that I am today. Yeah. So what happened in that kind of time frame in my life and in that kind of setting is that... I certainly had a different way in which my body expressed than it did later in my life when I decided to change my environmental and my modifiable risk factors and do things in a different way. So this is why I say that that's not exactly the truth of, you know, what happens in a person's life spectrum because obviously there's going to be a difference between decades and between partners and between, you know, whatever else that we experience. But it is a good gauge. And also there are different types of situations in life that will occur. For example, you know, like a a woman might experience um, painful periods because, again, dietary, diet-wise, she is nutritionally deficient, Mm. right? So she might be experiencing a magnesium deficiency or some other nutrient that, you know, chromium or, you know, potassium or whatever that will cause her to have or or even fatty acids, you know, Mm. good fats. Mm. So that will cause her to have more inflammation and therefore more pain around period time. But then you go and you supplement with those things and you can transform someone's periods very simply 
from the fact that you actually added those pieces to the mix. Mm. So in answer to your question, yes and no. Yes. Is <laughs> <laughs> really the answer here. It's so unique. It is. Yeah, you have it to is. understand, okay, why is it that have you always had these symptoms? Yeah. And, you know, what else is under, underlying that and underneath that? Have you changed things and seen that, that those symptoms didn't change? Mm. And, again, you know, for example, if it's endometriosis, that the reason that somebody has painful periods, it will be pretty constant throughout the, you know, the the, the life cycle of, of the disease, so to speak, before they actually end up having some surgery or mm. having some treatment. Because even the endometriosis will improve with magnesium and fish yes. oils, and you know, all of those things will certainly improve it dramatically. So now, if it's just an inflammation issue and you add those nutrients, fantastic, you've got your problem solved. Right. If it's endometriosis and you add those nutrients, you might think you have your problem solved. Yes. But you don't. Yes. And that will negatively impact fertility in mm. many ways that then need to be addressed. So endometriosis being, again, an estrogen dominant condition, also being obviously, you know, it's going to be exacerbated by being excess, like excessively overweight, etc. Mm. So those pieces need to kind of be taken into consideration depending on the case and the situation. So mm. it will depend on what needs to happen for each individual. It's not a one-size-fits-all answer unfortunately. Mm, it's a unique puzzle, isn't it? And I think that's really where you is. come in is looking at bloods, looking at lifestyle, looking at partner, and it's all, it must be like a mind map on a whiteboard, you know, putting it all together <laughs> and actually nutting out where to begin in every yeah, case. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really interesting that you say that because I often I have this analogy that infertility is a thousand piece puzzle yeah. without, you know, the usual beautiful box that you buy it from the, from the <laughs> shop where you can see the picture and all the the nice pieces are inside the bag and they're all yeah. nice neatly in there. You know, infertility is like you've got some pieces and then like you certainly have no box. There's no picture <laughs> of what it should look like. And literally the puzzle pieces need to be yeah. treasure hunted for, you know. And as you start to get some more pieces and you start to get some more of those parts, you start to see, oh, okay, what does this piece look like? And, Correct. you know, will, will it might fit here and will it, you know, could it maybe fit there? And you then start to see a little bit more of a pattern and a picture mm. but it is one that you have to build it's and yeah. you can then extrapolate from but certainly it's not one that's given to you that's for sure and that's why don't muck around if it's not working <laughs> because this puzzle might have you know 50 pieces on hand and another 100 that you need to find later on I say that exactly. about obesity it's like obesity is 100 things and weight loss surgery is one of those and there's 99 other things we need to look at so it's yeah. um, exposure lifestyle learnt behaviors unconscious blocks all that sort of stuff so yeah it's a whole mishmash of um, absolutely looking out those key players so interesting isn't it so is there a particular diet that someone could follow or a methodology if they're looking at improving their health and their fertility that's a great question and look from my perspective i always will recommend our patients go gluten-free and dairy-free and really base their meals on vegetables and protein as much as possible because you want your foods to be as nutritionally dense as you possibly can. You know, we want it to be micronutrient dense as opposed to, you know, macronutrient fat dense or carbohydrate.
takeaway dense or even protein dense, even though we really want those good fats and those good proteins, we really want to make sure that micronutrient wise, it is, and, and often diet's not going to be enough either. You know, especially after surgery, you are going to have to supplement because if you don't, what's going to end up happening is that you end up with all sorts of adverse effects, not only for fertility, but even for the health of the child in the long term. I mean, you know, B vitamin deficiency is rife. It definitely causes all sorts of neurotrubin defects, cleft palates, you know, you name it. And so what, and it's much more common mm. in women who are not absorbing their nutrients as effectively. And we know that with weight loss surgery, that could happen mm. if we're not taking care, right? And so, and, if we're, and certainly not uh, taking the insurance policy of a supplement. So that's going to be absolutely vital because I often talk about the fact that nutrition and diet, that is your foundation, right? That is everything that you need in order to be foundationally healthy and foundationally well, but you take your insurance policy. Correct, yeah. Which are your nutrients, you know, and uh, and then from there you build on whatever else is required so that you can get the best possible outcome. I don't recommend a particular diet, so to speak. You know, I'm very flexible with my patients in terms of what they choose to eat as long as it fits those guidelines of what we know makes a difference. You know, we created an infographic that is available on our website. If people just Google Gabriella Rosa gluten-free, dairy-free diet, they'll be able to get to it and find it. And we've actually went to the research and we looked at, it's completely evidence-based, and we looked at all of the reasons as to why, you know, what are the issues that occur with gluten and dairy intake and the reasons as to why for optimum fertility, that is something that needs to be changed. And, you know, so if people have questions around that and, and why that would be the case, that's definitely a Google search that I would recommend. It's a good place to start. And, you know, it's those two food groups that are, well, not a food group, but those foods that are likely to be players in inflammation, even if it's not celiac, it's intolerance or some kind Absolutely. of reaction, which is causing that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, uh, medically diagnosed, but it definitely Absolutely. could be having those responses in the body yeah. for sure. Yeah, 100%. And when we're talking about, you know, what you've mentioned before in terms of bloating and, you know, all of those kind of period type symptoms, mm. we see it every time. It completely exacerbates the whole picture yeah. in such a negative way. And we remove those foods and all of a sudden we've got a complete a different picture mm. and you know we know that in terms of dairy in particular there are many growth factors that are present in dairy that are not going to be ideal for women trying to get pregnant even men you mm. know again there's more hormones it's a, a milk unfortunately or fortunately for the calf <laughs> is meant to make a calf grow very very quickly yes right? which is not essentially the growth rate of a calf is i think seven times you know faster than a human or something like that yeah and so what happens is that it's not the same requirement nutritionally hormonally that a human actually has mm. and so in adulthood it becomes a threat more than you know a food that we should be consuming for general health yeah even teenagers with acne and that sort of thing 100%. those growth factors oh, are real yeah underlying cause yeah. thank you Absolutely. um tell us have you successfully helped someone who's had bariatric surgery to get pregnant yeah we have many times and again it's a it's a part of the picture mm. right? it's a part 
part of like, again, the weight and the hormonal imbalances are definitely a part of that whole picture. But we've certainly helped couples, you know, who either both partners or one person, as you will know, when couples go to standard therapy, they usually refuse treatment because they're like, nah, you're too overweight. You need to go and lose 20 kilos and then come back. And a lot of the times people don't have the skills or the ability to do that because of the fact that it's so many different reasons as to why they may have gotten overweight to begin with. Mm. And so they need that support and that handholding. And, and therefore, you know, from our perspective, we look at that in conjunction with everything else that is required for them to be able to get the result that they're looking for. So, yeah, it's something that we do, you know, often. And I think it's something that's a fantastic place to go when you know that there's, you know, a couple of odds stacked against you. And particularly nutritionally, like you say, after surgery, our absorption of B12, you know, iron, particularly calcium, that sort of thing, are real players. And they're high need nutrients during pregnancy. So even to fall pregnant and then during the pregnancy, just to make sure those ducks are all in a row, it's, um, you know, vital for long-term health. Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, what's not on board in the mother, the baby will take as much as it possibly can. So then you've got these women who may have a baby, healthy baby, but are totally depleted because yes. everything it's taken everything, you know, to actually yes. create this brand new yes. skeleton and all this brain tissue, an amazing miracle. Um, but what, what are they left with? And particularly some women are having one or two babies after bariatric surgery and the, the strain on their body, it must be incredibly taxing. And, you know, absolutely, and speaks to something that's very important which is the fact that you know you the baby will take precedence in the pregnancy Mm. in terms of nutrient availability but then when you have the baby the mother will take precedent during breastfeeding Mm. so what happens is that you end up if you're not actually as healthy as you could be or not supplementing in the way that you should or you know there are other issues the baby becomes de- depleted in terms mm. of the, what it's available you know, the, for, for the baby to actually attain. You then go and you start trying to conceive with a severely depleted human. Yes. <laughs> it's a very difficult situation. And, of course, you know, if you do conceive, if you are successful, the baby is much more likely to have many other issues, mm. you know, down the track than if a woman was completely replete in terms of her nutrients. And mm. in, in that in saying that if the male was as well because we know that the quality of the sperm will be de- will be dependent on mm. the quality of the men's health and of course their nutri- nutritional status and and everything else that accompanies that so even when we do have you know a, a miscarriage or a baby that has had a cleft palate or you know another kind of issue down the track we are at some point looking at both prospective parents of course the mother um, really during pregnancy is only responsible for what she can do and yes. what she can put into her mouth. But there is a lot to be said and there's lots of research that actually demonstrates that male uh, fertility and the health of the sperm will impact the ability to conceive and the ability to keep a pregnancy to term. Mm. And the fact that miscarriages are a 50-50 equation. That's why, you know, we always talk about the fact that, you know, fertility is a team sport. Mm. And if we're not addressing those two prospective parents, we are leaving a whole lot of areas 
unaddressed that could lead to much further down the track long-term issues. Mm. And, yeah, I think that's another, it's a great point to highlight again is, you know, if things are not working, please be aware of all the different trajectories and um, the team sport that we're playing. Um, And, yeah, Yeah. just don't leave any stone unturned. Um, Is there certain exercises that people could avoid or you would recommend to help with weight loss or fertility overall? Look, I, I, you know, as I said before in terms of exercise, one of the, you know, types of exercise that I love for really from the perspective that if you build muscle, you are going to end up with a very different hormonal profile than if you don't, yeah. right? And and nutritional profile as well, because obviously your your nutritional deposition in bones and you know calcium and so on is going to be different for different types of exercise. And you know, so from I'm very biased when I say about weights training because I do love it and it is something that I feel that has been of such huge benefit to me in every area of my life, but also for my patients, you know, certainly don't recommend starting any new gung-ho exercise regimes before trying to get pregnant if you've never done it before and or whilst trying to conceive if it's something that's brand new. But if it's something that you've always done, definitely, you know, adding some kind of weight resistance training to a treatment uh, you know, kind of protocol or, you know, somebody's kind of day-to-day is definitely going to be very useful mm. for couples who are trying to get pregnant, who want to lose weight and who want to maintain their body weight as well. Because what you will find, and certainly has been my experience, and I've seen this happen for many, many other people around uh, different, you know, um, kind of places that, you know, you, you have conversations around or conversations with people in. And, uh, and I see that, you know, that body composition change is the biggest game changer when it comes to health. I agree. Right. And there's research yeah. to show that throughout That's our so whole, much. you know, life cycle of yeah. weights training increases metabolic rate increases the calories burned every day, changes your hormonal profile, reduces insulin resistance, all that sort of stuff. 100%. Mental health. Absolutely. And I find Mm. that cardio is just not enough in regards to that. You know, like it just will not give you the same result and the same outcome. Because if you are, and also even when women want to exercise to look a certain way, you know, to look how they want to look, Mm. you know, doing cardio for that activity or for that purpose is just going to make you have whatever body shape you have, just a smaller version of it, you know, by losing weight. Whereas weight, uh, whereas weight training has the ability to obviously shape a body in a very different way. So, you know, for me, it's my favourite. Um, there's also lots of evidence in the, in the research around um, how it benefits women with PCOS for all mm. the reasons that you've talked about and more, and hormonal balance being one of them as well. So, you know, that's kind of, the, that's what I would recommend. Certainly it's what we recommend in my clinic for our patients, you know, yeah. a, a blend and a mixture of those is great. But if somebody is just, you know, like if they don't really like exercise and they don't want to do any or they're kind of, you know, just doing the bare minimum of what they must do, so to speak, Mm. then walking is great, Mm. you know. Um, And I would recommend that, particularly for weight loss, because what happens is if you focus on a really heavy cardio-based regime, you are going to be hungrier, you are going to end up with, you know, issues around maintaining your calories and maintaining the amount of food that you should be eating and so on and so forth. Whereas, you know, if you 
are focused on that, it's a different conversation. It's a different story. But um, I recommend that, you know, walking for people who don't love exercise and who just want to kind of maintain is going to be one of the best things that they can do. Definitely no less than that. Yeah. Um, and also not going on the other side of the spectrum of, you know, doing the cardio every day. Yeah. yeah. Because that's really not going to be ideal for fertility. I see that otherwise. in, yeah, women in the, like, you know, older age groups, not old, but um, after, you know, peak fertility, who get involved in the, you know, high intensity, you know, what do they call it? High yes. intensity. High intensity. Mm. I think that can actually have, yeah, high intensity interval training. That's the other I. Um, I can see how that would impact on our hormonal health from a, almost like a burnout perspective too much cortisol yes. thyroid you know all that it's almost a stress attack on the body yeah. <laughs> and some people are doing that five and six times a week in these 12 week challenges it just makes my hair curl um yes. particularly yes. if they're looking at conceiving i'm like don't just back that off do your yeah. you know weights training do some walking the research on walking is you know really nourishing for the autonomic nervous system which is all those processes that we body does but we don't think about which yes. fertility and production or one of those um, stress reduction would be a really you know big place to start would you agree oh look it's one of the most important things and at the same time not the thing that people need to do if they're trying to get pregnant and it's not working because a lot of times people get stuck into this oh i'm not getting pregnant because i'm stressing and then they start stressing about stressing yes. and you know <laughs> that's never going to be helpful um so i like to take a different approach in terms of that you know I like to talk about do the things that make you feel like sunshine mm. you know and in doing that you will immediately connect with the things and the times and the places that nourish you and that center you calm you and you know so from my perspective don't stress about not stressing yeah. <laughs> and don't stress about stress modify the things that you can modify yeah and do the things that make you feel like sunshine yeah i love that that's a bit of a motto we should take on i think yeah in all areas yeah. of life thank you Absolutely. and would weight loss surgery have any in, any negative impacts on fertility Look, I mean, from the perspective of nutritional deficiencies, it can. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important to ensure that that's taken care of and that's addressed because, and also, you know, the reason as to why we were speaking about the importance of nutritionally dense, micronutrient dense foods, as opposed to just eating things to fill the stomach, because we know that, especially after you've had surgery, you don't have a lot of space. Yeah. And so you need to utilize that space that you do have really effectively. And that is going to be what needs to happen in order for fertility, in order for weight loss surgery, not to negatively impact fertility. It doesn't necessarily have to, but certainly what I see for patients who have had it, who don't optimize and take care of their health or, or prioritize really being on top of their nutrition is that it can really mm. negatively impact fertility. And when that's happening, what are the steps that you would take to impact in a positive way? How do we yeah. undo that? So we, we do a lot of biochemical testing. So we mm -hmm. obviously want to understand what, what are the deficiencies that we are seeing or that are present. 
And we look at nutritional vitamins, minerals, but we're also looking at amino acids. And so we're looking at the whole picture to figure out, okay, first of all, give me the, the data, give me the information that I need to understand what are we dealing with? And then we customize something that will be specific for that person in terms mm-hmm. of treatment. But nutritional you know, supplementation is going to be a critical piece of ensuring that we address this and mitigate any potential issues that we may be experiencing as a result of it and prevent others mm-hmm. from you know, occurring down the track. It's such a broad subject, isn't it? And we probably just covered it as being our longest podcast in history and there's still more to talk about. I think it's, no, I just really wanted to cover this in the way that we have and give it as much as we can because it's such a struggle and it's, you know, if you haven't just gone through weight loss surgery and then you're struggling with pregnancy, it's, you know, if we can shortcut that with some information, I'm all ears for that. And um, stay tuned for episode two. We'll be delighted. I know. I'll try and speak less next time. No, don't, (laughs) because that's why I was just quiet at the other end here because I just wanted to hear what you had to say. It's fantastic. So thank you. And, you know, your time is so valuable. You are also a generous human who's offering your book up for our listeners if they're interested in reading more about fertility, obviously, and um, how to get more fertility. Um, Tell us a little about that. It's called The Fertility Breakthrough, Overcoming Infertility and Recurrent Miscarriage When Other Treatments Have Failed. Yeah, absolutely. So that book I wrote and got published in 2019, it's still one of the, you know, kind of cornerstones of how we educate our patients because... I find that so often people don't understand why they're not getting pregnant and they don't have the clarity of how to change that. And so really that's what the book is about. It's about understanding what are the things that you need to know and what are the things that you need to do in order to give yourself the very best possible chance of overcoming infertility and miscarriage, especially if other treatments have failed, or if you want to be even more proactive, which is what I like, before those treatments have failed, you know, because ultimately if you can avoid, like there was a retrospective analysis on IVF and case how many IVF cycles somebody would need in order to take for a close to 80% live birth rate and to be able to take home a baby. And this was a a retrospective analysis that was done in 178,000 cases plus. Wow. And they showed that in order to have a close to 80% live birth rate, you needed on average eight IVF cycles. And if you've been through one... Oh, exactly, which is crazy, right? And so, and what we see in the clinic is that we have a close to 80% live birth rate for the patients who go through our fertility program who don't do any, you know, IVF. And when IVF is necessary or required for whatever reason, one or two cycles gets them a live birth. That's amazing. As opposed to the average age. So, you know, there's a lot to be said for Mm. ensuring that you get the clarity on those obstacles to optimal fertility, that you reduce and address the right ones because Mm. often people come to us and they're addressing 80% of the factors that will only give them 20% of their results. And that is just going to make them go around in circles Circles. and going around in circles. So what we need is the opposite of that is what is the 20% of the effort that will give us 80% of our results? You know, that really is what it's about. And I think too, um, when we're having trouble with fertility, we go to our doctor who generally send us to the IVF clinic or to the, you know, that down that trajectory. Yes, um, yes. We we tend to use food and supplementation and healthy lifestyle and that sort of stuff as a last resort when everything else has failed. 
Whereas if we had that platform in place to begin, how much quicker could we make it? And I think that's something I struggle with. And how much less heartbreaking. Exactly. How much less heartbreaking. You must see women who've had miscarriage after miscarriage and failed cycle after failed cycle because the substrates are just not there. Whereas if you've got those nutritional platforms in place to build this, you know, human life, wouldn't that be a better place to come from? Even if they do need to do the, you know, the IVF cycle or whatever, it's just a better um, um, underpinning. But that, I guess, is a frustration of mine is that we go all the way around in that big circle first and then go, oh, we're just not getting anywhere. Let's look at what we're eating or what we're putting in and how do we, you know, create those platforms that we need to, you know, to create a healthy life. And um, yeah, trust me, that is not a frustration (laughs) of only yours. <laughs> that is like it's the, it's the bane of my existence. It is like know? why is it last resort when it should top the list? Exactly. Yeah. And you know, I think that humans love complexity. Yeah. That's really what we love. You know, we love. And mind you, it's not that the opposite of you know what we do is not complex. It is, mm. but the reality is, we think that because it's technology. Yeah. it's going to actually give us the result. So it's going to be better than what your body can do on its own. Let's just say that no. <laughs> no scientist or embryologist looking under a microscope to pick a sperm is going yes. to mimic what the body does in terms of selection of sperm that mm. best complements the egg. You know, the egg sends out these chemical signals it's to the sperm incredible. that most complements its own gen- genetic material, right? Yeah. And, you know, no no scientists under you know any kind of condition will be able to replicate replicating what science that no. does you know and that's just how it is yeah so we need to i think that as a society we need to be a little less reliant on the quick fix or you know on that kind of like oh i just want it and i want it now yeah. and we need to understand that there is a foundation that is required if we are to allow the body to give it the opportunity to do what it naturally would do mm. Well, that's it. I think something's in the way. Yeah, something's in the way of that natural healing force that our bodies have a job to do. We're humans. We're built to keep the human race going. What's stopping that? So it's like lifting those blocks nutritionally or, you know, from whatever perspective and then letting the body do its job. And that's what's in the way a lot of the time. Ah, it's such a big topic, isn't it? It's um, (laughs) fantastic. So thank you. I'll wrap our session up and I will put the link in the notes for anyone who would like your book we also have your website and your facebook um, links and that sort of thing in place as well if anyone's looking to find you as a from a consultancy point of view what are the steps they need to take oh they can just google gabriella rosa with one l so gabriella g-a-b-r-i-e-l-a-r-o-s-a gabriella rosa and they will find me they will (laughs) they will find you (laughs) thank you so much and it's just a pleasure pleasure yeah, thank you thank you so much Jackie. stay safe down there please you too thank you thanks for listening and just before you go we would love to hear your feedback so please give us a rating and review for other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration come and drop into our facebook community at bn bariatric if you've enjoyed our podcast we hope you will share on your facebook or instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode